guys can have a seat if you would like. Hey, we are in the second week of uh, what originally was envisioned to be a series uh, called Three Times Nine. And uh, what would happen was that Pastor Eric, Pastor Dan, and myself each week would spend nine minutes uh, speaking about a, a biblical topic that pertains to our community. And last week, the three of us uh, talked about biblical community and what all that meant for us. Uh, this morning, I was looking for my phone and couldn't find it. So I decided I just gave up on it. I'm like, well, no one's going to call me on Sunday morning anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So I was driving down the, packing up in the driveway. And uh, I'm like, oh, you know what? I was in Shannon's car yesterday. Maybe it's in there. So I stopped, opened up the garage, and yeah, my phone was there. And I jumped in the car and, and saw I had a bunch of text messages and uh, started scrolling through and, and got to um, two text messages, uh, one from Pastor Eric saying, I think I have food poisoning, not going to make it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, and then continued on. And the next text was from Pastor Dan. Renee's having uh, contractions. She's 30, 34 weeks uh, pregnant and uh, probably heading to the triage. Not going to make it. Probably not going to make it. I'm like, all right, three times nine just came, you know, one times, you know, 27 or whatever. And you know, fortunately, uh, I'm an accomplished speaker, and I can, I, can, I can pack nine minutes of content into 27 minutes, so uh, no problem. Uh, uh, so I, I get here, and then I see Pastor Dan and Pastor Eric, and I'm like, okay, you know, and uh, find out that Renee's contractions uh, uh, subsided. Would that be there? And she's actually here. I'm really excited to see her. There we go. Uh, so, um, and uh, uh, but Pastor Eric um, didn't make it, and I mean he's alive, but uh, uh, <laughs> he's at home. At least last time I saw him, and I got alibi if he's not alive at this point. So, uh, come on, I don't care who you are. That's kind of funny, and uh, <laughs> so it. I guess this series has kind of changed to more of like a survivor kind of thing, and like it looks like God has spoken, Eric's out, and uh, Dan's on the rope, so you know, it looks like we'll get back to me just talking here pretty soon, so it'll be good. But uh, uh, this week uh, we are talking about discipleship, and discipleship's one of that kind of, you know, biblical words that a lot of times... I know we hear it about around the church, but we don't really know exactly what that is. And uh, so hopefully in our conversations today with you guys, that uh, through Pastor Dan and, and uh, through myself, uh, that, that you know, hopefully that will become a little more clear of what does it actually mean to be a disciple of Christ. Now, we decided uh, because Eric is out that we just dumped the clock, but we're going to still, you know, just hold into what we originally talked about. And we're also going to have a little conversation in between. Uh, Dan and I are going to have a conversation in between our talks just to kind of uh, unpack maybe some discipleship time in our lives. So, Pastor Dan, if you'd come up. <clears throat> hey, Pastor Dan. Wow. I know. 
Maybe uh, you'll get an applause. No, probably not. I'm, I'm used to not getting applause, <laughs> though. That's okay. Uh, so tell us about a, a, a discipleship time in your life that, that this, this topic kind of was real to you. Okay. Um, as I was thinking about this this week, I really wanted to come up with something that was, you know, just like really impacting and powerful and inspiring, something really positive. And instead, I came up with something that I thought was really negative, <laughs> which, which may be a little bit more of our context, um, maybe more of, of the things that all of us have experienced in terms of what we think discipleship is. I remember kind of coming back to the Lord around 22 and within the first couple of years really getting involved in youth ministry and uh, working at the church and, and I was there on a day-to-day basis and so I, I saw this, this kind of punk kid that was riding around, he was 17, 18 um, and, and that, uh, me calling him a punk kid, you know, like he would just get the biggest smile, like that was, a, that was something that really made him happy, I'm, I'm a rebel, I'm a punk, you know. And he had his, his like, you know, eight-inch mohawk, you know, and he'd, he'd color it, and he'd ride around on his little BMX bike with his, um, with his belt buckles or some, like, you know, some vest on and listening to his iPod. And I began to have these conversations with him and just, you know, over, over days and weeks and months and, and about a year and a half. And I remember it was a Wednesday night, and we, we were we were getting ready to go into the church and he was there and he was riding around and I was like, hey, Bobby, why don't, why don't you come on in, you know? And then one of the pastors there who kind of oversaw me and what I was doing, he walked up, you know, and uh, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he had some context for this. Maybe, maybe he knew Bobby and had some conversations, but we're just sitting there and, I, and I'm talking with him. I'm about to ask him to, to come in and join us and then, and then the pastor goes, hey, Bobby, when are you going to straighten out your life, man? When are you going to stop being a punk, man? You know? And I was just like, I just withered. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, you just killed me. You know? And I'm like, I, but at the same time, there was just like this anger. You know, like, what right do you have? You know? And the context there was just as I, as I came back to the Lord and really, you know, what is discipleship? Just seeing how God gives us the commission to to go out and, and make disciples and teach people how to live godly. And I'm like, where did those comments like fall in line with that? <laughs> like, I, I, just, I just didn't get it. And there was just that real place of, of brokenness um, and confusion, honestly, just being a young, being a young Christian and, and in leadership. Is, is, that, is that what I'm supposed to do? Because that's really uncomfortable. I, I, I can't do that. I can't be that person, you know. So. Well, cool. We'll be, I'm looking forward to hearing, again, what you have to say about all discipleship. Right, right. Well, um, the, the stuff that I was mentioning there is some verses out of Matthew 28 where Jesus is getting ready to leave earth and he, and he says to his disciples, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples, and teach them to obey the commands that I've given you, and baptize them in the name of the Lord. And so, as I was kind of going through that and processing that on a, on a personal level, on a community level, and just thinking about, all right, what does it mean? And a lot of times our discipleship 
feels like and looks like, and maybe we, maybe we think the expectation of discipleship, making disciples, going to Jerusalem and to Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, going, going to you know, my neighborhood in Midtown and, and going to Tallahassee and going to Guatemala. Maybe, maybe what I, I have in my mind of, of making disciples is, is all about conversion. Maybe what I have in my mind when I think about discipleship and what I'm supposed to do, it's all about persuasion. Making disciples, oh, I've got to convince these people how bad they are and how much they need God. And I think, from my observation of, of who Jesus is and what he did, I, I think that's just ever so slightly skewed. And so as we get into this, uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses in, in John chapter 1. And here John is going out, and, or Jesus is going out, and, and he's beginning to, to call his disciples, hey, come follow me. And so he goes and he finds Andrew, and uh, Andrew is actually hanging out with John the Baptist. And, and, and John the Baptist, as Jesus walks by, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew says, Really? Bye, John. <laughs> See you later. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm switching over here to this other ministry. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus now. Uh, I don't think John got offended. You know, he, was, he, was, he was there just to proclaim who Christ was. You know, I'm sure he probably took it as a compliment. Wow, there's the, there's the first convert right there. You know? so, but the first thing that Andrew does is he goes and he finds his brother Peter. He says, come, we've found the one that Moses talked about. We found the Messiah. Savior, Deliverer, we found him, you know. And so then he goes on, and um, and 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 uh, Jesus sees Philip. And here in John chapter one, verse forty-three, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, "Come, follow me." Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown, so they all kind of knew each other. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Seriously? And then as they approach, oh, and, and Philip says, Come and see for yourself. And as they approach, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Another translation says, uh, as, as Nathaniel is walking up and, and Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile, no deceit. One of the biggest blessings, one of the greatest gifts God's given me in my life is a wife who has no guile. <laughs> a wife who has no deceit in her. She is willing to just confront me and, and speak truth, and she wears her heart and her mind on her sleeve, and it, it's such a blessing. I always know where I stand with her, <laughs> for better or worse, in sickness and in health, richer or poor. And, uh, I'm very committed to my wife. But she, isn't, that, isn't that such a blessing? Isn't that such a gift? It's such a wonderful thing to know where you stand with someone. And isn't that such a terrible thing sometimes just to have that person that's willing to just be like, why are you such a jerk? Do you just need to like, she told me this yesterday, why, just go and get on your bike and just ride it off, buddy. You know, because you, 
and I did. <laughs> but, but just somebody to speak in your life with such truth and such authenticity. And I really believe this is a great example of what God asks us to do and to be. Okay? And, you know, he cries out to us in his word and he says, I, I desire truth in the inward parts. I desire truth in the inward parts. And so discipleship for us, discipleship, part of it personally is about asking the right questions and answering honestly. It's this process of, of soul excavation. It's, it's, it's eliminating the self-deception. Eliminating the self-deception. When you get into a conflict, is everyone else always to blame? Man, there's a, where's that element of personal responsibility? Do you seek to justify your actions as an effect of other people's actions? These are these deep, piercing questions that begin to get into our, into our hearts and our minds as disciples of Christ, as, as seeking to let His truth have free reign in our lives. Discipleship is about asking the right questions and answering honestly. What are the motives of my heart? Why do I continue this pattern when it obviously isn't working? How do I honor God and the people around me? Andy Stanley wrote this book. It's called The Best Question Ever. And the context for this entire book is about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This awe and this respect and encountering that there is a God, that there is a supreme power who is sovereign and who, as much as He is my Savior and, is, and He is my friend, He is also my Lord and my Master. And He says this best, this best question ever, and He said, ask this about your decisions. What is the wise thing to do? Well, is it wise? I, I can afford to go out and buy this new vehicle. Hey, I deserve it. I've been saving the money. I, but, but is that the wise thing to do? I can go on this overnight backpacking trip with my buddy. Well, but but is, that, is that the wise thing to do? Is that what God is asking you to do in, in light of the other things and the other arenas and the other situations and the other investments? How are we to use our resources as a blessing to the people around us? What's the wise thing to do? Well, here Philip uh, and, and Nathaniel are meeting, are meeting Christ and, and, and saying, all right, we're going to follow him. And in verse 48, Nathaniel asks Jesus, where did you get this insight about me? How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Discipleship is the pathway to abundance. Discipleship is the pathway to abundance. And a lot of times I don't think that we really have the hope in our minds and our hearts to seek out abundant life. We look at it and we go, all right, Jesus talks about fruit bearing and, and, and our hearts being good soil. And we go, all right, well, you know, I, I want to follow God and I want to seek God and I want to bear good fruit and I want to honor him and I want to honor people. And, I, and I've got the right seeds. I know where to go to get the, the foundations of truth to let them grow in my life. And looking at my life and looking at the situations, I know I've got plenty of fertilizer, if you know what I mean. 
And yet, this disconnect of how do I really put put these things into, into place? How do I really commit these ways to God? And Jesus uses this basic principle of reaping and sowing and Everyone is being taught and everyone is learning and and our actions teach. And so there's this place in discipleship where where I reconcile my heart and my mind to Him and and I move forward and I... And then there's this other place where I I have to recognize that the people around me, God has asked me to speak into their lives. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives us a few verses. He's talking about imitating God and walking forward, and he says in verse 15 of chapter 5, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. All right. Discipleship is, is follow me. Discipleship is even as we pray, in my name, amen, in my name, in the name of Jesus, doing things as, as though he would do it. Paul said in, in verse 1 of chapter 5, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Counting the cost of what it means to be a follower. And so for us in, in, this, in this inward discipleship, wrestling with the motives of our heart, and in this outward discipleship, asking these kinds of questions. Who can I sow into? Who has God placed in my life that I can invest in? Who can, I, who can I take to breakfast and listen to their heart? Look around me and, and find a student. Where's a student who is struggling? Where's a student who, who's, who's working two jobs? Where can I take the resources that God has given me to bless them? Where can I create a redemptive space in their life? Where can I buy by supporting them financially a period of time over the course of a month, give them 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 hours over the course of a month to be able to buy redemptive space for them to encounter the grace of God in their lives. How can I be a disciple? These are the kinds of questions. How can I be active in in the lives of the people around me, to be able to create mental and spiritual clarity and meet their needs. These are the kinds of things that I wrestle with in discipleship, the kinds of things that I, the ways that I try to live out my life, creating space to let God impact me and and say, hey Dan, you're being a jerk. (laughs) Hey Dan, you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. Hey Dan, you need to minister to this person. This person needs some of your time. And prayerfully and by His Spirit, He will guide each and every one of us to that. If we would only say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Amen? Pastor Mark, won't you come back up? Yeah. yeah. I'll, move your, I'll move your stool for you. Yeah. Is, that the right, is that the right location? Is that, is that pretty good? Okay. It is. All right. I believe that's the way God had envisioned it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I can make your dreams come true. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so tell me a, a discipleship moment or, or, or what's going on in your mind with... Yeah, well, like you, um, when 
when we talked about doing this, all that came flooding in my mind was a lot of negative <laughs> uh, interactions of, of discipleship gone wrong. And I think that I think that, that that's an important thing to realize just for our community and us and just like, wow, discipleship is really easy to become a negative thing and mm -hmm. and it's a very difficult thing to do it uh, truly how God envisioned it and it to be a positive thing. And uh, But there was a uh, one instance in my life where I think uh, discipleship really just w uh, was done in a godly manner and was really powerful in my life. Uh, this was many years ago. I was a, I was a newer Christian and in my church, and a lot of great stuff was going on in my church not, uh, that I attended. And uh, I got pulled and sucked into a group of people who were just really negative. They just had this negative spirit and all they saw was the bad stuff um, happening. And I got pulled in and I just started getting poisoned by that. And yeah, and I just, I started getting really a critical spirit of just the pastor and the staff and the people and all of this kind of stuff. And there was one pastor on staff, Pastor Harry, who uh, he's like the church grandpa. I mean, he was just like, uh, and uh, I was sitting with him in his office, and he always had, he had a whiteboard on his uh, on his on his wall, and and he just said, "Hey, Mark, I want to talk to you about this," because I started really realizing that my spirit had gotten really negative, and I'd realized that. And he's like, "Look," and he and I've used this illustration before. He on his whiteboard he drew a sidewalk with grass on both sides, and and he said, "Hey, you know what you're." you're over here in the grass and the sprinklers have gone on and you know you realize that you're not in the right place and the question is what what are you going to do mm -hmm. um are you going to just kind of dig your heels in and get wet or are you going to get back on the path and and continue on your journey mm -hmm. and that was just really powerful imagery for me it's like you know what He's right, and uh, I broke fellowship with the people who uh, were were negative and said, "You know what? Church isn't perfect. Pe you know, people are going to make bad decisions and and struggle through things. And and you know what? We just need to be. I need to be about grace and and be about like, hey, when there is a wrong." getting on the right track, and continuing toward the will of God. So that was like a really positive uh, discipleship yeah, moment in my life. Yeah, what so. a blessing just to be able to see the faithfulness of God in there, just working with your heart. Because, I mean, so many times we have that story, and, you know, it isn't instantaneous. It isn't over a day or a week. It's like years of God just with his jackhammer just yeah. blasting away. So, good. Cool. Thanks, Dan. Look forward to hearing your talk. I was thinking about this idea of discipleship and just like this idea of like, hey, if I was just going to have a nine-minute conversation with you, uh, uh, you know, what what would I say? You know, what 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 would it be about? You know, how could I illuminate this idea of discipleship? And, and last week um, I spoke in Colossians chapter three, and there's two verses. Um, just right past uh, verse 16 where I ended last week that I really think crystallized it for me. And in our little time together, I just wanted to share that with you. 
Paul writes this, says, let the message of Christ, about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And this whole idea of letting the message about Christ in all its richness fill our lives. And I started to think about, about that idea. And I think like if this vessel was our lives, we spend our whole lives filling them up, filling our life up in that space with, with different aspects of our life to, just to cope. Coping mechanisms just to get through, through life. You know, some of us, it's, it's career or it can be entertainment or friends or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but it just, it's just stuff that's just in our lives. And I think that we come to, when we come to Christ and we, you know, we have all this, you know, this other space that, that we get filled, we get filled up and, and, we, we start to look and realize, go, oh my gosh, you know, wow, I never realized life could be this way. I didn't realize how much I was missing in my life. But the reality is we still have all of this, this stuff in our life. And I think the process of discipleship is this process of, of people coming in our lives and, uh, and identifying these hard places that that our life before Christ, that how it has taken root in our lives and and gently, hopefully, gently and with grace, removing these items. You know, like I said, it it could be just the pursuit of of a career or a relationship or, you know, just entertainment or or just, you know, other people just trying to find our value in other people. Uh, you know, it could be just being in organizational efforts or, or service efforts and stuff like that. No, I can't get that one out. But, but as, in, as discipleship happens, in these hard places in our lives are, are removed, that we realize that our lives weren't as rich and as full with Christ as we once imagined. And as those things move, it makes gives more room for our lives to be filled with the richness of Christ. And then we have a more pure understanding of the, of the life that God intended us to live, that, they, that Jesus says that he has called us to live a rich and abundant life. That doesn't mean a life of riches or a life without problems, but, but a life that is full. And you know, this whole idea of this is really the idea of discipleship for you, for me, is this idea of, of removing these hard places in our lives. And Paul goes on and says, look, teach and counsel one another. I often talk about having the relational right to speak truth into somebody's life. And I think where discipleship has got a negative connotation in the past is when people speak truth into our lives who haven't earned the relational right to speak that truth or 
are not willing to travel the path with us to healing. And that's when it gets really, really ugly and when it really goes away. It's one thing to, to say from the bleachers, hey, you got a rock in your vessel. And, you know, like Pastor Dan, you know, hey, punk, you need to get the rocks out of your life and come to church. There's no relational right there to speak that into his life. There was no commitment to walking with him to make sure that that was gently removed. Discipleship in the 21st century and 20th century church is, is kind of wanted to be this microwave discipleship where you throw the heathen in the microwave and 30 seconds later, zap, they're a nice, warm, toasty Christian. And, and, but the reality is what happens is that you throw them in there and they explode, like, you know, like if you put a bug in there. And, and, and it's ugly and it's messy and it destroys the person. What needs to happen is this, this, this teaching and this counseling and this understanding of, you know what? This rock in your life is destroying you and it's destroying all the relationships in your life and you're not experiencing the richness that God has envisioned for you. And you know what? We're just going to pull that out gently time after time after time. And you know what? It, there will be some pain, but when that pain happens, this is my commitment to you. Through the tears and through the pain and through the hurt, I'm going to be there with you. He goes on to say, sing together. And you're like, well, what's singing together have to do with discipleship? Well, you know what? Intellectually, that we can talk about a lot of things in these relationships and we speak and everything, and that can reach a lot of our lives. But there are hard places in our life that cannot be touched by words, cannot be touched by, by a, a sermon or a book. There's places in our heart that only music can touch. And God, knowing this because He designed this, you know, instructs us, hey, come together and, and sing together. And something about music and singing, that, 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 that through that it is able to, to touch those areas in our life that we have, we have built walls around and do not allow any other aspect of life to touch. And then finally, in discipleship, Paul writes, he says, everything we do and say, say as a representative of Christ. It's kind of high calling, but if you think about discipleship, discipleship really is this idea of being what? A disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. A follower of what? Well, a disciple of what? In our case, Christ. So we are calling ourselves as followers of Christ and to why are we following him? Why is he our teacher? Why is he our God? Well, we, we want to become more like him. And eventually, that we should be a representative or an ambassador of Jesus Christ. 
That, that, that is the ultimate goal, is to be an excellent vision here on earth, the tangible hand of Christ and a representative of Christ. Just like if President Obama gave us a call and said, hey, I want you to be an ambassador for the United States to Uganda. You know, and you'd be like, all right, cool. You know, that, that's awesome. And that we, we go and that we're an ambassador to another country as a representative of the United States. And while we're in that country, everything we do, everything we say is as a representative of the United States. And that kind of ratchets up kind of our actions, right? Because we're representing our nation to another nation. Well, this is what Jesus says about us as a discipleship, as a disciple of Him, that we are His ambassador. When we're at work or when we're driving, yeah, why'd I have to go there, right? When, when, uh, when, when we are at play, when we are ordering food and how we treat our, our server or the person at the counter, that we are doing it as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We may be the only Jesus that person ever meets. And our actions are a direct reflection in their minds of who God is. Is He a God of impatience? A God of cutting somebody off and giving them a finger? Is He the... Uh, the, the God of, of intolerance, you know, these kind of these attitudes that, that we carry. We all do it. But to take a step back and say, you know what? I need to have my life filled with the richness of Christ. That I need to have people in my life who are going to speak truth to me and walk with me to remove those hard places. And I also need to be that person. That I need to be in a place where I can come together with other disciples, other people who are followers of Christ, and to engage in singing praises to our God. And ultimately, I do this because I want to be a worthy ambassador of Jesus. You guys pray with me? Lord, Discipleship is a difficult, lifelong process of removing hard places in our life that take up room where you're intended to fill. God, I just pray that we can have people in our lives and we can be that type of person that are committed to one another, speak truth to one another, and make a commitment to one another to walk through the hard times, the refining times. God, I just pray as we raise our voices to sing praises and hymns and, and spiritual songs that, that you will touch those hard places that words and sermons and intellectual pursuits cannot touch. And ultimately, God, I just pray that you will give us an unquenchable fire to be a worthy ambassador of you.
We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>